We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. You're listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Uncontested. You can find us and all other Blue Wire Podcast Network podcasts on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or really anywhere you listen to your podcast. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button, uh, both for the uncontested, and you can subscribe to Blue Wire Podcast. It'll get you the host of, of all of our podcasts on the network, which is awesome. While you're at it, make sure you leave us a five-star review. I'm Jacob. Today, I'm joined by Taylor. What's up? It is a. It's is it Wednesday? It's a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's a it, Wednesday it's night. Feels like feels like Tuesday because yeah. of Memorial Day. But. Yep, Wednesday night, and we figured we'd hop on and bust out a podcast for you guys. There, there's a few Thunder things to talk about, Taylor, uh, specifically with some coaching changes that uh, have either happened or look like they are going to happen. Uh, and then there's a lot of stuff just around the NBA that that we really want to talk about. There's some some really interesting stuff happening in the league right now. Not to mention, Game One of the Finals starts tomorrow. So I'm excited. Kind of I'm a lot. Of, really excited for the series. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things that we can chat about. So let's just jump right into it. Um, first off, Taylor, the Thunder have apparently lost their lead assistant coach. Uh, as reported by Sam Amick of The Athletic, Bob Beyer, who had come to the, the Thunder around this time last year from Detroit, he was, uh, yep. he was under Stan Van Gundy, has taken an assistant job with Sacramento and Luke Walton. you have any, any thoughts, any feelings about this? I mean, Bob Beyer was only here for a year. It's not like he was a, a mainstay for Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. Uh, but but I do think that his presence with this team was felt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, I think last year when he came in, he was a relatively kind of low-key uh, basketball name, uh, specifically for Thunder fans. A lot of us had to do a little research, and we kind of heard through the grapevines and through uh, some of our beat reporters here in OKC that they really brought Byron in because they felt that he was a really strong defensive-minded coach um, that he could really help on the defensive end for this team and kind of help them play uh, the way that they wanted to, which, you know, as we talked a lot about 
on this podcast in the in the past is uh, using their length versatility athleticism and getting steals deflections and running in transition yep before injuries, we saw that happen. We saw that work. Both Russ and PG led the league in steals and deflections at a certain point throughout the season, and I think James Harden crept up uh, for like second behind PG in steals. But regardless, I think he had a really good impact on this team. Um, and then I mean, obviously the injuries happened. Yeah, speaking of the defensive thing, I mean, this team was number one in defensive efficiency for two-thirds of the year. Yeah, you know, they They finished top five in defensive efficiency. Um Really, really making that curve from from last year, especially from when I mean, last year they were a great defensive team up until the point that Andre Robertson went out. This year they were the number one defensive team in the league, and Andre Robertson never put a foot on the basketball court. You know, so so I think his impact was definitely felt there. And then you uh, have young guys, and you know, we've talked about Ferguson quite a bit. Um, obviously having Dre uh, on the bench all season as a sort of bonus assistant coach certainly helps a lot. Uh, but I think Byer probably had a, a big impact on Ferguson as well. So I think that presence will definitely, or the lack of presence, uh, will definitely be felt. And it'll be interesting to see who Presti and Billy ultimately fill those positions. And then speaking of which, you know, this is kind of Billy's, what do they call it, like the sitting dunk, sitting duck uh, season where yeah. um, you know, they extended Basically him. Basically uh, an expiring contract coach. Right, right. So it'll be interesting to see who, who makes that decision. Is it a joint decision between Presti and Billy, or does Presti just kind of come in and try and fill that? Um, I think that'll be kind of telling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't think we'll ever hear who makes that decision, though. You know, Right, right. Um, that's not... It would, the, be, it would be telling. The aren't the Rockets, right? Yeah, but we, we won't get that <laughs> insight. Um, also interesting that Bayer is only in Oklahoma City for one year, you know, and then immediately jumps True. ships over to Sacramento. Um, we don't know specifics. Maybe he's getting paid more. Um, I, I don't really think he's getting a, uh, what like moving up the ladder because he was the lead assistant in Oklahoma city. Right. So it's not like it he's, he's getting a promotion. He might be making more money, but one interesting idea about this that I hadn't thought of, but, uh, Brett Dawson brought up that I think is interesting is, I think you're going to bring up the same thing that I was that stood out to me from that podcast that I also listened to earlier today. Okay, as well. yeah, probably so. Then <laughs> um, you mentioned Billy Donovan going into the last year of his of his deal as a coach, and if he doesn't get re-upped, and the Thunder bring in a new head coach, most of the time new head coaches clean house and and bring in their own guys. Um, do you want to be an assistant coach on a team whenever that happens? You know, right. and I, right. I would assume that answer is probably no. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up as well. And I, I think this next guy we're going to talk about, he's in a similar boat. Um, Mark Bryant, you know, he actually made it through a coaching change with yeah. Scott Brooks. And then because, and that's just how great of a coach he is. But I think it's kind of telling that uh, there's certainly, a, it's not official. It's not nearly as official as the buyer um, hiring, but I think it's, there's certainly a lot of traction that Monty Williams might take him uh, to Phoenix yeah. when he goes to Phoenix. Speaking of, um, have you listened to the Woj pod with Monty Williams? Yes, it was oh incredible. Oh my God, it's awesome. He's such how, a can, guy. how can such you a not guy. root for Monty Williams, man? Oh, yeah. But yeah, Monty and Mark Bryant have a good relationship. Monty Williams wants to bring Mark Bryant, Oklahoma City's big man coach, over to, to Phoenix. Um, Phoenix has a number one overall draft pick big man over there that Bryant could could teach, could could mold. And so that makes a little bit of sense, especially there is the opportunity for, for Mark Bryant to to be promoted, to right? To yep. to get a, a higher a seat on that bench. Um and with and just like we talked about under a really awesome guy and a, a great coach um in Monty and kind of at a time when I think there's probably some quite a bit to be excited about for Phoenix Suns fans as they're kind of seeing the direction the kind of their culture do a, do a change here and for the better. Yeah, definitely. Um, any, any idea, any thought on who Oklahoma city picks up to replace Bob Byer and then possibly Mark Bryant? See, that's, it's so tough really to know. And, uh, I think I, I feel like I need to at least mention, you know, the impact that Mark Bryant's had. Um, he's probably the one that I, not, I guess dread losing the most um, just because of his development and the impact he's had on players such as Steven Adams, you know, Enos Cantor came through um, and 
was kind of considered to be at a low during during his point here or at, with Utah, and then got traded to OKC, and we saw how Mark was able to kind of help develop him. Then you have uh, Nerlens Noel in a, in a similar situation. Uh, Sabonis took a really big leap. His his yeah. Uh, Jeremy Grant his freshman year, but his rookie year. Jeremy Grant, absolutely, yeah. So I think his impact is going to be felt arguably the most. I'm extremely curious to see who both Billy and Sam replace used to replace these two guys. Um, you know, with, with Sam, he usually has some guys like kind of on the back burner that we don't really know about. Yeah. Sam right has relationships with a lot of coaches, you know, like, there's a story that came out this off season. I can't, I, probably was Royce or somebody, but talking about how before Billy was even hired, it was like a year before Scott Brooks even got let go. Billy was in the stands for like a Houston OKC game, like with Sam or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they had a relationship forever. Um, you know, I I'm gonna throw it out there. Uh, this, yeah. this is probably I'm curious. I don't, this I don't is really probably what Thunder Twitter wants wants to hear from us. You know, uh, I'm gonna throw <laughs> it out there. But I mean, Nick Collison is still involved with the organization. You know, that'd be uh, awesome. Can that be an entry level spot for him? Uh, Kendrick awesome. Perkins wants to get the coaching, bird, yeah. but uh, <laughs> some of the shit he said publicly and on Twitter, <laughs> so I'm true. just like, nah, you can, yeah. you, you can stay yeah, with the he, Twitter he fingers. Might not perk. quite be ready for that yet. Yeah. 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 So um, interesting though. There's, there might be some, some more movement on this staff before it's all said and done. And and I mean, that's so, going to be particularly that head assistant job under Billy for yeah. a, an organization like the thunder. You would think that that's probably a highly sought after job. Yeah. Um, and We've so it'll also like, be interesting, Do whenever they replace Bob Byer, does the person they bring in immediately become the head assistant, or do they promote somebody from within? Do they promote a, a Mo Cheeks or a, um, uh, I can't say the guy's name, he used to coach the Oklahoma City Blue, and he has, he's got the very Eastern European last name that I can't pronounce. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But, but do, they, do they bump him up? And the new assistant they bring in is a little farther down on the pecking order. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Very, very. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what direction they move and um, how soon they fill those roles. You know, if that kind of they extend that into the summer, um, if they try to get those filled, you know, before the draft, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, super interesting to see. Yep, definitely. Speaking of the draft, uh, 21 days away. 21 days away. Thank God. Um, about three full weeks. June 20th will be the NBA draft. And like everybody else, we have just been scouring and just ingesting mock drafts wherever we can find them. And it seems like there are some, the, the same group of guys kind of all fall in that like 18 to 30 category. Yep. Um, and, and there's really no consensus there. It, it's kind of fluid. Most recently mock drafts, you can see Oklahoma city thunder, uh, linked to Keldon Johnson, Tyler hero, Cameron Johnson, Romeo Langford. Uh, but like I said, that there's a lot of people that think there's, there's some instability on the back end of this draft. There, there are some guys that are good that, that will fluctuate there. It almost sounds like a couple of years ago when in the 20s, players like Terrence Ferguson, Kyle Kuzma, yep. OG Ananobi, all those kind of guys were taken. And so it's it's an interesting position. Um, as draft talks have have started to progress and things have started to happen, how are you feeling about the Thunder and, and the draft this year? Well, I think like the biggest key there is just like you mentioned, there's so much instability this year. Um, and originally, like throughout the college season, you know, I was listening to all the different podcasts like uh, Kevin O'Connor and uh, Sam Vecini and all those guys who were talking college hoops. And they were talking about how kind of top heavy this draft is. But as we kind of have gotten closer to the NBA draft, um, I think what we all have started to realize is that, yeah, it's top heavy, but the rest of these guys aren't just, you know, zeros like it's going to be. A couple stars, but then a lot of role players. Yeah. So, like, I, I can't remember. I was listening to a different podcast either yesterday or this morning. And it might have been Fred Katz, honestly, uh, mentioning how, you know, talking to different GMs and, and people, um, how it, it's hard to kind of get a gauge on where these players are going to land because some teams have players as high as like top 10 and others have them all the way down like second round, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Bull Bull is a is a great example of that. We've seen him kind of fallen all over the board as far as uh, a, a prospect. Same thing with with my guy, Nikhil Alexander Walker. I've seen him mocked as high as like twelve or thirteen, and as low as twenty four. You know, so there's there's just such a big variance here. Um, Taylor, if you have if you had to make a guess right now, are you going with the Thunder make a selection at twenty one or trade the pick? Ooh. I, I would say that they're I think they're going to take that pick. It just Sam loves a draft pick. <laughs> yeah. He loves analyzing guys and following guys and then uh, and then picking young players and um, having the flexibility with their contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But if it comes down to a big trade, you know, obviously getting the right piece. So let's say we're we're sending out like Dennis Schroeder on draft night, which I think is a possibility. Or, you know, there's a lot of whispers, uh, nothing obvious no legit rumors, just people like Maybe the Thunder and Presti should kick the tires on trading uh, a guy like Steven Adams due to the cap space that he takes up with his salary. So maybe you you do send out like Steven Adams and a draft pick for a fairly large uh, role player or even a potential third star kind of thing. If something like that were to pop up, I absolutely think they could trade that pick, but I think it's unlikely. I think those are the only two situations in which Presti would trade that pick. So I'm going to go ahead and say he, he drafts somebody like a Thibel or um, – and Alexander Walker, kind of like you mentioned, somebody like that. Yeah. Um, one Langford's thing. interesting. And so Cam Johnson. I really like Cam Johnson. I think he'd be a good fit. Um, so a lot of the guys that are being mentioned, I, I wouldn't be opposed to by any means. Yeah. I I also wonder, because the Thunder haven't done this in a long time. The last time I can remember was maybe the, the draft year where they went and got Cole Aldrich. Yeah, to move up in the but did they move up could, that draft? Could they, could they move up? Trade trade their pick plus something. Try to move up a couple of spots if there's a guy there that they like. Um, That's super interesting. It's like how high do they value? I mean, it seems like they value Diallo quite a bit, but like, do they value somebody else during this draft more? And are they willing to part with like Diallo and that first round pick to move up? Yeah, um, something like uh, that but, can make sense. And, and and I get that. Part of me wonders like. I, I feel like since we are so close to the Thunder as far as we track this team daily. Um, we're fans of this team that we maybe right. overvalue some of the assets a little bit. Um, That's a good point. I mean, does does the twenty first pick and Hamadou Diallo in reality can that get you up to nineteen? Right, because I, I honestly yeah. don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know. Um, but you know, are, are is there someone up there? Uh, you know, maybe just outside of the lottery, somebody somebody falls just outside of the lottery that Presti is really really high on. Does he try to make a package to move up? You know, like um, uh, some of those Gonzaga guys, like Brandon Clark, or um, Ru- what is it like Rue? Rui Hachimura? Yes. Yeah, there you go. Something Good like job. that. Um, um, I really like him. I'm a, he kind of reminds me of us a bonus in a way. Who's the USC kid? Uh, Porter Jr. Yeah. Um, Kevin Porter Jr.? Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, like if he slips, is he somebody that, that Presty wants to, wants to go out and grab? You know, there's. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, it's it's so hard to get a read because the Thunder are very much in a win now mode, right? With with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Once those players' contracts are over, you're kind of hitting the reset button. And so, right. do do you trade that pick and get a more established player? Um, trading up gets you a, a higher ceiling draft pick. But what is that player going to get anywhere close to that ceiling in the next two to three years? There's just, it's there's so many variables there that it's just so hard to know what's going to happen. See, you bring up a really good point. And I think that could be applied to not only the NBA draft, but this entire offseason as a whole with we finally have our core locked down with uh, PG, Russ, and essentially Steven and Jeremy Grant, right? And because of that and with their window shortening, it's not like, you know, here – four or five seasons ago when you have Kevin Durant and Russ. Um, now you only have maybe two to three more years of Russ at most um, to capitalize on, and then really about one to two with Paul George, depending on what he does with this next contract. Yep. So does that changes, change kind of Pressy's strategy when it comes to his, his offseason moves, like when it comes to trades, when it comes to free agency, when it comes to the draft? Um, I'm really curious to see that as well. 
Definitely. Yeah. It, it, it can totally shift kind of the, the whole direction of, and the, the mindset of the franchise. And so right. there's, like I said, there's just so many moving pieces and so many variables. It's so hard to track, uh, but yep. it will be fascinating. It'll be very fascinating. Absolutely. So, anything else on the draft? Uh, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm getting more and more excited. I think for it to, to get here. It's like I said, I think during the regular season and even towards the beginning of the playoffs, I wasn't super excited. Well, I shouldn't say that. I watched March Madness. That got me a little more excited as well. So maybe like towards the end of the regular season of the NBA, um, I wasn't super excited for this draft, but the more um, research I've done, you know, more homework I've done, I've gotten more and more excited to kind of see where some of these guys land and, and how they pan out. Definitely. I knew nothing about any draft candidates a month ago, you know, yeah. because I don't, I don't watch yeah. college hoops. So right now it's just been like a crash course of, late nights, YouTube watching and, and whatnot. Uh, one interesting thing about the draft before we move on, the, the guy that initially started the Oklahoma City has promised Matisse Thibel rumor. Um, yeah, uh, Kyler Steve, NBA. What's his, Steve, Steve Kyler, Kyler uh, from Basketball, Basketball Insiders yep. has now said that that promise, Thibel's promise came from Boston at pick 20? 20? I think Boston has 20. And yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Who knows? No, they're uh, they're twenty two. Remember, because we did the coin flip with them, and we got. Oh the... yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So who's that? Who's that twenty then? Oh. Or does Boston have both of those picks? I'm at fifteen. Twenty is the Boston Celtics. You're right. Yeah, both. Sorry, yeah. So, uh, like the ringer has them taking Horton Tucker from Iowa State, and then kids um, fascinating. PJ Washington. That's another interesting prospect that yep. Presley could potentially be looking at. There's there's some interesting ones out there. All right. Well, you ready to move on to around the association? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Got a fun well, uh, game to talk about tomorrow. Oh yeah. Well, Happy. before before we move on to around the association, if you haven't already, you guys need to subscribe to the other Blue Wire podcasts on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Um, there are tons of great NBA podcasts. There's one NBA in general pod. The rest of them are all team specific. Great, great insights and. We're going to listen to this real quick, which, uh, which will tell you how to do that. Hey, this is Jason Pat, co-host of the Cash Considerations Podcast. Check out my podcast and others on the network by searching Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. So speaking of those other Blue Wire podcasts... Let's talk about game one of the NBA Finals. Yeah. We haven't yeah, we haven't we haven't talked since the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh surprised at all? Surprised it's the Raptors? I really am. Um now if you guys like go and listen to our our preseason pods that we did, um, and all of our predictions and stuff, like I think the majority of us had either Boston or Toronto. Um, then as the season progressed, we all were much more favorable towards Toronto um, compared to the Sixers in Boston. But then the playoffs happened, and as good as Milwaukee and Giannis and just really their entire team, you know, guys like Bledsoe and uh, Middleton all stepping up, they really looked like the better team heading into that that round of the playoffs at uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And so I was really, uh, especially after those first two games, <laughs> I don't even think yeah. we talked about that. You know, uh, Boston or uh, Milwaukee looked in control. And it's, so to see Kawhi just take over like that, I mean, it's been extremely, it was extremely fun to watch. Uh, it's probably the most, most fun. I, it might've been my favorite round of the playoffs. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I definitely was surprised. I even thought that Milwaukee was going to push it to a game seven there. Um, yeah, so definitely. I, I was, you know you what know, that series reminded me a lot of? Because after games one and two, when it went back to Toronto, Toronto the Spurs really, really series, the OKC Spurs series yes. back in like, was it 2016? Oh no! Or, I was talking about the one back in 2012. Or 12, okay, yeah. The yeah, one where where you know the Thunder go down 0-2, bring it back to Oklahoma City, and then just completely ramp up the defensive intensity. Um, the Thunder switch Tabo Cephalosha onto Tony Parker. They completely changed the outcome of that series. Just reminded me of that so much. You know, I, for, I forgot about that. I, I kind of get that mixed up with. Uh... I, I get the like the 2012 finals mixed up sometimes with uh, like the earlier rounds mixed up with that 2016 year. Yeah, that, well, that 2016 run. run was awesome too. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, what it, what it was like to get out of the first round. 
<laughs> those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Will it ever happen again? Uh, uh, so well, anyways. Hey, they were saying that in Toronto, too. Yeah. And here they are. Yep. <laughs> anyways, and, and Golden State obviously sweeps Portland. Uh, so we have Dubs, Raptors, in the six. Dude, how happy were those people of Toronto? It's just just awesome to see. They are you know? stoked. Yeah, just they're, awesome I mean, to see. All you hear is just how awesome uh, loyal fans just, uh, you know, they're they're loud, they're rowdy. Um, they really support their team, and so I'm really happy for them. Uh, I'd really like to see Toronto play well, obviously in Toronto, and maybe even get those first two games. You know, that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but if they could do that, I mean, that'd be so cool for those fans. So Kevin Durant out for game one. DeMarcus Cousins questionable for game one. Um, how, do, how do you see game one going in Toronto? Do, do they get it? I yeah I, I really liked Toronto here. Um, I, I I don't see KD playing. You know, there's a lot of talk um, amongst a lot of reporters, uh, a lot of people with with sources in the league right now saying that KD's injury could uh, or is potentially worse than what the Warriors are actually letting on. Like a lot of people aren't going to be too surprised at this point if KD doesn't even come back for this series. Uh, but then there's others and more recent reports coming out that he may be ready by game two. So you, you really don't know, and I think that's kind of what the Warriors are going for there, obviously. Um, but I like Toronto in Game 1. Um, what about you? I'm kind of with you. I think I like Toronto in Game 1. I think Kevin Durant, if if I had to bet money, I would say Kevin Durant comes back Game 3, back yep. in Oracle. Yeah. Um, I like Toronto in Game 1, though. Um, I, I think there's a benefit to the amount of rest that Golden State got. I also think there is a – you have to keep playing, right? And practice is totally different from a game. Toronto has played much more recently. So That's I, true. I like that aspect about they also, them. They, I mean, this is just uh, this is just another finals for Golden State where Toronto's – I mean, they're fired up. We just talked about it from the fans to the organization as a whole. You know, they're going to come out with a fire in game one. What worries me, though, is like what if Golden State makes like a comeback in like the third or late third, fourth quarter – does that just completely like, <laughs> you know, t- uh, put out the fire? Yeah, no, I'm with you, and it's and just dictate the series from there. I if Toronto Pretty does critical. win Game One, it's going to be a close game all the way down the stretch, you know, and and so it's interesting um, matchup wise. I find this series just just fascinating. Me too. Um, you know, with with KD out, who does? Who do who do the Dubs use to guard Kawhi Leonard? You know, um, I I if, think it's going to be Iguodala. That I really that would do. make I a think... lot of sense. Start start Iggy, let him guard Kawhi. You have Draymond on Siakam. Yep. Um, obviously, if, if even if Boogie can go, you give the the center the benefit of the center position to Toronto with Mark Gasol. Um, True. Kawhi Leonard has a has a long history of playing against and guarding the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the last time he did in a playoff series, Zaza messed his leg up. Um, Danny Green has a long history against the Golden State Warriors. I I worry about Toronto with the with Kyle Lowry having to guard Steph Curry. That's uh yeah. that ain't going to be good. Yep. They're going to try and probably switch uh switch on Steph oh, quite yeah. a bit cuz Lowry can can handle some of those bigger guys, you know? Yeah. Um, so he might but, be able to, yeah. To Lowry Draymond, trying to honestly. run off all those screens with Steph just makes, yeah. makes me worry for Toronto, but then Toronto definitely has, has the depth, you know, bringing Van Vliet off their bench, bringing Sergi Baca off their bench, bringing yep. Norman Powell off their bench. Uh, they, they have the, the guns off the bench to really push the, 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 the dubs. And so it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like you said, matchups are going to be huge um, on both sides of the ball. But I, I think Toronto has a defense to, you know, kind of to to hang with Golden State. What worries me is their offense because they kind of have taken turns throughout the regular season and the playoffs between like, okay, Kawhi takeover, iso ball, and Nick Nurse system, pass the ball, open shots. Um, they kind of found the perfect balance of that, I think, against Milwaukee. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they use it against Golden State with more capable defenders like Draymond, uh, Iguodala, Clay Thompson. Thompson. 
they're all going to be th- all three of those guys are going to be thrown and at hey, quiet. Hey, Kevin Looney has not been bad. Right, yeah, that's a great point. And you then know. Kevin Durant, you know, has the potential to come back. And that mm-hmm. puts a huge wrinkle in things itself. And on the other end as well, you know, like you said, you have Steph and you have Clay and you have Dray- Draymond who's been playing great. Um, I think what's really going to come down to is Toronto's going to have to hold them, you know, around that 100-point threshold of like 108 points. Um, and if they do that, they get, they get themselves a chance that their offense is going. But if not, um, you kind of get in a run-and-gun game. Let let Golden State run transition. I think you get in trouble. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, let's move on from the finals. A little more league wide stuff. Have you read this Baxter Holmes article yet? It's incredible. Yeah, that was so good. I mean, just from like a like a research standpoint, the, the amount of research and like all the sources he had to reach out to, and um, really just the work he put into the article itself is just incredible. I was Ma- it's a to, massive undertaking. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to the low post with him today on my way home from work, and he was telling Zach Lowe that he started this thing back in like December. <laughs> like oh they wow! Were, they were reaching out for interviews with the people in the uh, Lakers organization. That's I incredible. Mean, it was, it's impressive, but it was also just super entertaining. Yeah. So that article, um, in a whole, I've thought for a while now that the Lakers have just been a shit show. Um, but my God, man. Yeah. My <laughs> God. It makes you thankful for uh, Sam Presti and the OKC Thunder organization. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just bad. Um, I mean, I think my favorite thing, and you and I texted a little bit about this, I think my favorite thing from this entire <laughs> report is that Rob Polinka told the team that after <laughs> the Dark Knight release, the movie, that Kobe Bryant was so impressed with how Heath Ledger locked into that role that Kobe asked Palinka, hey, set up a dinner with Heath Ledger. I want to talk to him. And they talked about how Heath was able to lock in and how Kobe translated that to the basketball court. <laughs> By the time that movie came out, Heath Ledger had been dead for six months. <laughs> so apparently Rob Palinka is just like a pathological liar. Oh, I was going to play the Joker laugh, but... This is like a 56-minute video, and I thought it was going to be a little segment of it. Uh, the Heath um, Ledger Joker laugh, but yeah, that was just incredible. Best Joker of all time. Best Joker and, and, of all time. Yeah, oh, I agreed. Um, but Baxter really set that up well, too, because he didn't just like randomly come out with that antidote. He he framed it um, you know, with others kind of complaining about, uh, or not even complaining, but kind of talking about going into the background of Palenka and how he's a storyteller. He loves stories. You know, his all this like his pressers, he always has some sort of, st- of analogy or story that he tells. And then he uses that and it's just like, ooh, <laughs> like he really is. He's a, he yeah, he's he's a liar. He he makes up stories. Yeah. And so so that coupled with basically if we want us to stay on Batman references, the the two facedness of of Magic Johnson, you know. Uh, Baxter talked about how everyone loves the big smile. Um, you know, charismatic Magic Johnson in front of the camera, but behind the scenes, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, and and the way that he ran that organization, only being there part-time as a president of basketball operations. And really, yes, neither of those guys are equipped to do that job, but they were hired by Genie Bus. And and it all starts up at right. the top, you know. Um when you hire two people who are public figures who don't have the experience in that role, you, you, you hire people for the, for the name rather than for their body of work. This is what you get. The buddy, you know? buddy family system that they exactly. have going on it. Right. This is, this is what you get. You know, it, instead of going out and hiring the best qualified, um, someone who's worked for this position, who knows what they're doing, you just go get the old face of the franchise, you know? And then all that you throw into, and this is the other, so the Heath Ledger, um, Rob Palenka story jumped out at me, and the other one that jumped on out to me earlier on in the article, um, I think that kind of got swept under the rug a little bit because it was towards the beginning. There was so much more information after yeah, that. tip of the iceberg. Yeah, right, but it was, uh, so you just mentioned, you know, kind of the the family system, right, that, that it's, like a family organization and that's led to a lot of these issues with uh with Janine's hiring, but then you bring LeBron into the mix this past season. Yeah. And the, the story about uh, Rich Rich Paul? 
Yeah, Rich Paul was like seated at a table where Mav Carter uh, and and uh, Adam the, Silver yeah, were sitting close by to you or whatever. And then he and that was just so Mav Carter like set that up for Rich Paul to be able to come up and be like, "Look, we want uh, we want Luke Luke Walton fired." <laughs> and Adam's just sitting there like, uh, "Okay, why?" Yeah, <laughs> like, and tell then me why. The, the whole thing of like Rich Paul riding on the team plane, yeah, which is like so out of just out of the norm you know right um the the article mentions that there are three of lebron's close friends that are on the lakers payroll that used to be on cleveland's payroll uh one is like security one is like he he's titled as like an athletic trainer yep and so it's like lebron came and just got whatever the hell he wanted and I don't care what business you're in. When, whenever you do that and you start playing favorites and letting one person kind of run the show over the others, um, it, it spells issues for everyone involved. You know, and, and, I and think we saw you, that this yeah, past season. In yeah, the you saw the, cor- the corruption like, of that locker room. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and, and it trickled it, into uh, basketball on the, onto the basketball court. Yeah, I mean, they even mentioned that there was that spillover in the locker room where, where people were, were going at each other and blah, 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 blah. And, and it, it became an issue. Uh, they also talked about Rob Palinka sitting in on halftime meetings and practices. Yes. And Big how brother pl- is watching. Yeah. Players did not want to like voice their opinions or talk. Cause that's the guy that controls your, your future. You know, it's, it is a shit show there. It is an absolute yep. shit show. Yep. And, uh, so, so hindsight is always 2020, but looking back now, well, no shit. Paul George never even took a meeting with the, with the Lakers. Yeah. You know, he he found a place that he wanted to play at and he just probably saw some of the toxicity that existed there before even LeBron got there, you know, and it's, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Absolutely. So it'll be super interesting. Speaking of Paul George, um, and this past summer, it'll be super interesting. They're obviously how their their eyes set on some big name free agents this summer. Um, who's going to want to go and and play for them? And I think that leads to a good transition. Uh, maybe they're going to have to rely on like a a last resort kind of star and like a Chris Paul being yeah, traded like there, a trade. Right? Uh, uh, Taylor, you're so good. Yeah, I'm getting good at this. We cut the check. <laughs> cut the check. <laughs> So Woj comes out this morning, reports that, and calls the front offices, Houston GM Daryl Morey showing an aggressive desire to improve the roster with all players and picks available in talks. Woj said, it's hard to imagine a James Harden scenario, but the rest under contract, perhaps even Chris Paul, could be moved in the right deal. Number one, is there any doubt at all anywhere that, uh, that the leak here is Daryl Morey himself? It's it's oh, not another yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not another front office leaking this. It's it's no, Houston. One hundred percent. You're right. Exactly. Leaking this. Um, and this is probably just the first of many throughout the summer. Oh yeah. My my favorite tweet I've seen so far about this. Dragonfly Jones <laughs> came out and said, "There's no way in hell they're trading James Harden. Daryl Morey's just a used car salesman. Get people there to look at the Bentley on the lot, and then you try to sell them the Corolla with 220,000 miles. That's so true. That's so true. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. That's exactly what he's doing. That, and if, you know, shit hits the fan this summer, and Chris Paul comes back, and they weren't able to trade him. Um, I say comes back like he's a free agent. But if they're, they're unable to trade him, and they start the season with Chris Paul and James Harden again, um, or he can go, well, see, CP3, I said, I left it open and ambiguous that James Harden was available also. Yeah. Yeah. Got to cover, cover your <laughs> ass, man. Got to cover your yeah. ass. So, you buy into any of this? Are they really aggressively shopping Clint Capella? Um, because that was the big one today that I saw. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know if they are yet. I think that's like you said. It's probably Maury doing his his um used car salesman pitch and you know <laughs> paying Woj to broadcast everybody. Right? It's like, hey, I'm taking calls. Um, giving your best offers because I'm wanting to shake some things up. And I think you look at like their coaching changes that they've had recently too. It Seems like and apparently they've even to... stalled on extension talks with Dan Tony, which yeah, blows my I mean, mind. And all of his, their 
getting rid of all of his assistants. Like they're trying to push him out, right? Because he's yeah. in the same situation as Billy with only one year left on his contract. They're trying to push uh, him out, or they're just trying to save money because their ownership group true. is is it's obviously very motivated, vot- very motivated to save money. So. Right. That's a good point. Uh, but I just I, I bring up the coaching because I think if they are willing to make those changes, I think he's wanting to make the changes also with the team. But like, this is the one thing. Like, I that's fine. That might be the right thing to do. I, I'm not sure. Um, but two things. One, you just claimed you just, more. You just went on Twitter here, like what two, three weeks ago, and gave like the recent records of teams against Golden State in the playoffs yep. and how close Houston was. Yet you're willing to just blow it up. Like that seems very hypocritical. Uh, two or three yeah. weeks later. Yeah. And then also you're that close. Like, why blow it up? Maybe you're only a couple role players away, like a couple decent wings away from uh from title contention. You know, like. Game six, Steph Curry just going ice cold, um, and they had a chance to win it there. I don't know. I don't know. I just, there's a lot of thoughts there. It's, but. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, and, and you get in this conversation of do they want to trade players to get trade p- trade players to get players back? Do they want to trade players to to try to open up cap space and be a player in free agency? That seems really dangerous to me. Um, as of right now, it looks like. They have 120 million committed next year. Um, that's like to eight players: Chris Paul, 38 million; James Harden, 37 million; Capella, Chris Paul's 16. Gets so bad. Yeah, Eric Gordon, like 42 million 14. next season, 44 this season after. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> Eric Gordon is probably their their best trade asset, but I don't know who you trade Eric Gordon for and get an upgrade. That's not just a very, very marginal upgrade, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if you like Capella, I mean, he's yeah, 15 if, million. If you're you able to, to trade Chris Paul for nothing, um, you know, just dump him into space. If you're able to do the same with Clint Capella, I mean, you, you get a max, a max spot in free agency. Then See, you I go out that, and you, you get a wing. Then what are you doing at point guard and, and right. center? You know, there's right. just, it's, there's a lot there. Yeah. There no, is a, really a good lot point. there. You bring up a good point that I was kind of thinking of earlier and that maybe they are just doing all this, trying to clear cap space and get some free agents. Cause uh, I think there's definitely some mutual interest between Jimmy Butler and the Rockets. Um, you know, after the whole trade deadline thing where they tried to trade for him and uh, Jimmy kind of seeming open to going to like the Lakers, there was those rumors and other teams outside of the Sixers. So maybe that's what he's trying to do. Like you said, like Jimmy and Harden, does that move the needle more than CP three Harden and Capella? Like exactly. And, And what do you have to, if you're trading Chris Paul just into cap space, what do you have to attach to that? Because nobody's just taking on that that remaining 160 million or whatever it is you know i mean it's got to be chris paul plus a couple of first round draft picks you know you know what i was thinking of and it, this contract's probably too huge um compared to carmelo anthony's but like i think of like carmelo anthony last season and pressy trading him to like the hawks um and him being bought out and getting go to houston like, is there any way? I, I just I don't know because I I don't I don't know the ins and outs of the salary cap like a lot of people like the John Hams of the world do, you know. So there's um, no way Chris Paul gets bought out because in order to get bought out, he would have to get, um, if not that fully guaranteed money, nearly all of it. So buying somebody out in the last year of their contract, um, it happens, but with more than one year, no way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good no point. Way. So, um, it's. It's going to be interesting what they do. Uh, I do think they're, they're two, maybe three most tradable assets. Um, obviously, Eric Gordon's number one, although he's 30 years old. He's on an expiring deal. Clint Capella, um, you know, has a good deal. And then P.J. Tucker with his with his $8 million salary. P.J.'s it, a really big trade target. I bet he, I bet Maury already has gotten a lot of calls about P.J. Yeah. Um, and you know what's interesting? You know, Jazz Sixman, I mean, you follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he quoted that tweet uh, of Woj's earlier today and said, Jazz should be all in on Eric Gordon. Make it happen. And that, that's a super intriguing option next to Diamond Mitchell. Yeah. Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you barely ever see a a team like the Rockets, a team right there on the cusp of contention, trying to to jump, you know, jump up and, and go over 
uh, trade away one of their really good players to get great, you know, and very rarely do you see two teams that are that are playoff teams that are that are pushing for the next level um, swap talent. I think San Antonio, Toronto last summer uh, is, is a rare example. Most of the time, it's yeah. it's like a Carmelo Anthony for Dennis Schroeder, uh, a good team and a bad team making a trade. You know, it, it's very rare that you get two playoff teams uh, in both, the same conference. Yeah, bo- both pushing the same direction. You know, if one team is, is trying to reset and and offload, you know, some decent players that are on big contracts, um, and, and the other team's trying to trying to get players to make a push. You know, one team's going up, one team's going down. Those make trade partners. It's very rarely that you see two teams trying to go up become trade partners. Um, it, it's, it's not too common in the league. And so I, I think there's something to that, you know. I, I don't know what Houston does to to make something like that happen. That's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. So. It'll be interesting to see what more he does. Yep. <laughs> Uh, anything else with Houston or you want to move on to some Twitter questions? Let's move on to some uh, Twitter questions. We got some good ones. Awesome. We're going to, let's put a music bed behind us today. Some nice, uh, relaxed music. Oh no. What happened? (laughs) We lost it. Uh Oh, (laughs) there it is. Oh, it's going to keep fading out whenever I go off of it. Oh, well, uh, that's great podcasting right there. Um, (laughs) I will go ahead and pull up our Twitter questions real quick. And here we go. First one comes from our guy at Clark Matthews. He asks, what percentage healthy would Dre need to be to return? Uh, would, need, would he need to return at to reclaim his starting position? That's a really good question. Um, I think it could be, I mean, like 80 and above potentially. So if Dre's at 80% of what he used to be, you think he takes over the starting starting spot? Maybe to start the season, but if he's not producing um, or isn't able to get back to that level, I think he'll be pulled back real fast. Um, but it, it's, re- it's interesting because of how high they are on Ferguson. And, like, do you really want to not hinder his development per se, but, like, I don't, I don't know. It, that could be good for Ferguson maybe coming off the bench as, like, a six-man role. Or maybe it's harmful to him because he was used to starting all last season and now he's not. Um, I'd prefer to start to start Ferguson there, me personally, but I'm just not sure with Billy. Like, if you have an 80 percent Dre, if he feels like the loyalty factor or whatever, and see, I'm going to go opposite back. spectrum of you. I'm going to say Dre has to return back at like 110 percent. He has to return okay. back because to former Dre um, with more of a jump shot if he wants to dethrone Ferguson now. Ooh. Okay, see, I I hope that's the case for sure. So it, that's my if thought. That is the case. I don't think he'll start. You know, maybe this is the reason I'm not a basketball coach. You know, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Well, I think you're, that's the right choice. So maybe you should be. <laughs> All right, our next one comes from our buddy Keith with the Trailcasters podcast. He's at Rip City Keith. As we get ready for a Golden State versus Toronto Finals, it seems like we've seen a fair bit of shakeup and return to parity in the East. What about the West? Does the dynasty in Golden State break if they lose KD this summer? And what teams do you see becoming the next conference dominators? This is such an interesting question that it's I've a, heard kind of posed already on like other podcasts. You know, yeah, like it's a who fun is one. the next Golden State? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna answer the first part of that question. So I don't think it matters if the Warriors win or lose. I think it's almost a done deal, and not just because of things that I've like been hearing. But from an OKC perspective and all that we know about Kevin Durant and his personality and some of the behind the scenes things that like Royce Young's and uh, reporters close to the team have reported on, I think KD's out because he wants his own team. He wants to try and like turn around his legacy in a sense. Yeah. Uh, particularly if Golden State wins without him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, yeah, I think I think Kevin Durant is out. Um, here's my thing with Keith's question. I love Keith's question. I do too. I don't. Yeah. I don't think we get I, when Kevin Durant leaves Golden State. I don't think we get a conference dominator, though. I think we have a lot more parity, like those top four in the East this year, where there's going to be, you know, maybe you still have Houston. Um, we'll see what Portland does. Uh, you yep. have Oklahoma City. You have yeah, the young Denver Nuggets. Yeah, you have the Denver Nuggets taking that next step up. You you have so many different. Different teams there that I think instead and you still of having LeBron James, you know, yeah, instead and, of having one team above the rest or two teams above the rest, 
I think everyone is, is kind of jockeying for position there. And I think that will make it way more fun because it's not like the LeBron in the East where you know who's going to the finals. It's not like the dynasty of the dubs in the West where you know who's going to the finals. There's there's a question there. you know. And I think once Kevin Durant leaves Golden State, Golden State's still going to be good. But you have that question there of, of now who's going to go to the finals? Does Denver take the step? Does Portland take the step? Can Oklahoma City finally play to their potential in the postseason? Um, does Houston make a shakeup? They've been right there for the past yep. two years. And if the dubs fall off, do, does Houston take over? Um, does Utah, what happens with does the Utah make a move? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. There, there's so many different things there that I don't know if we get a dominator. I think instead we get parity for the first time in years. I think that's and, a really good point. And I look kind of, forward to it. Yeah, how's that, that second tier of teams that we always talk about behind Golden State, you know, these past couple of years kind of move up to that first tier again. Exactly. And it's going to be, I think it could be very reminiscent of Katie's last season in OKC, you know, where yeah, we lost 100%. the dust when we were up through one. And, and then so now our tiers aren't so, so separated, you know, that they're all kind of clumped together. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be real good. That's a perfect answer to that question. I'm, I'm with you. I think that's a good point. I didn't really thought of that. Our next one comes from Melinda Redman. She's at MKR2400. Seems like several of our assistant coaches will be leaving. How will that impact the team overall? And who are candidates to be brought into the fold? So we touched on this a little bit already. Um, my my one candidate that I threw out was Nick Collison. If Mark Bryant does leave, you have do you have any candidate you want to throw out or... Mm. Or you just... well, so I will say before Monty was in, uh, like back during the regular season, there was, you know, I was always still overall pro Billy. I wasn't saying we need to fire Billy immediately or anything like that. Um, but if it were going to happen, everybody is like, well, you have to have a guy to step up and, uh, or to bring in. And Monty was always my guy. Cause I just have always been huge on Monty Williams. I think he's going to be great in Phoenix. But then obviously his name surfaced almost immediately. Um, when the, the Sixers <laughs> lost out of the playoffs that he was and uh, candidacy for head coaching positions. Um, I'm still having given up on like Mo Cheeks. Um, I know he's already on the, on the roster, but it, it, it's interesting to see how they use him. Um, do they try and give him a little bit of a bigger role? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's always a guy that I thought could even potentially be a head coach for us, but obviously he has a bad track record. Yeah. Outside of the organization, though, I mean, <laughs> Kendrick Perkins is really the only one that came to mind, but with Mark Bryant leaving and like Kendrick trying to take that over, that's just too big of a step. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, we have two more Twitter questions, which are is a great segue into our, our final section of the pod today. First one comes from Austin Thompson. He is, I just lost his at, at Austin underscore T78. He's got a trade proposal. Thunder send out Steven Adams, Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo. In return, they get Bradley Beal and Dwight Howard. Uh, so that's kind of the trade I think that a lot of Thunder fans have been throwing out for Bradley Bill because everybody wants Bradley on this team, which for obvious reasons, uh, we are one and the same with you all, but it's very unrealistic. And I think like, you know, Fred Katz was on down to dunk earlier today with Andrew Schlecht, uh, it mentioned, and I think Andrew actually threw out a very similar trade to him and Fred said, no, there's no way. Like they're going to demand way more than that for Bradley. And that's not even the kind of players that they really want to be bringing in right now. Uh, I think like particularly Steven, you know, they're looking for more young assets probably if they went that route. Yep. Um, so I'm going to say no. I'm with you. Our last one comes from at L taker number four. He's got a handful of, of trade proposals. Um, they're interesting. So get ready. This first one's kind of a mouthful. It's a three-team trade. The Cleveland Cavaliers getting Andre Robertson, Hamadou Diallo, Timofey Mozgov, a first-round pick from Orlando, the 16th pick in the draft, and two second-round, two future second-rounders from the Thunder. The Magic get Jordan Clarkson, Dennis Schroeder. The Thunder get DJ Augustine and Kevin Love. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. Um, I... DJ Augustine, Kevin. So DJ Augustine had a pretty nice first round of the playoffs, but he played well this year. Yeah, I mean he did. He played. We've well, also seen him play it. in Oklahoma right. City and get benched right. for Cameron Payne. And he's also getting old. Yeah. Um, basically, if any deal revolving around Kevin Love coming to OKC is Presley just literally going all in, and he thinks this is a way to do it, 
I'm not sure that's the case. That's never been Sam. Um, it's a very high risk. Um, and I'm not even sure Kevin Love gets you there, you know, and he just, and it's a high risk because of his injuries. Uh, and he's very injury prone. I don't love, I don't love the deal, but I mean, for a Kevin Love deal, it's not terrible. I don't know. Yep. All right. Next one. I, I'm a big fan of this one. He has the Thunder sending out two future second round picks. In return, they will bring back Etwan Moore from the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I think Pelicans will probably demand a little more, but I love that. We talked uh, a little bit would, about would more. Would you give up a second rounder and Hamadou Diallo in that deal instead of the two seconds? Probably. I, I think I do. Etwan yeah. Moore, uh, 30 years old, 30 years in about three months. Um, this past season for New Orleans, he scored 12 points a game, two assists two rebounds. Uh, but the most attractive thing with him from this past season, corner three-point shooting, not just this past season, but for his career, corner three-point shooting, Etwan Moore is a 42% corner three-point shooter, um, exactly what the Thunder needs. That one is a very enticing one to me. Last me one. Too. I love that. Last one. Uh, spoiler, I hate this trade. Thunder send... Andre Robertson, Patrick Patterson, Hamadou Diallo, and a second-round pick to the Charlotte Hornets for Marvin Williams and Wancho, is it Wancho Hernan Gomez or is it Willie Hernan Gomez? The the big. Oh yeah, I never know. Not the, not, I think <laughs> uh, it's Willie. The big, yeah, not say, the wing. Wancho, yeah, Wancho's at uh, is it Utah? Denver. Oh, goodness, Denver. 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 Yeah, yeah, Denver. Uh, no, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. So that's all for our Twitter questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in Twitter questions. We really appreciate you. And that's a great segue for the end of the podcast, our new segment. We've done it two times now. Third time's a charm, right? Blockbuster trades. These don't have to be Thunder-centric, but we like to end our podcast with a massive trade that if it were to happen, uh, would would break the internet, would result in Woj bombs, would would get the, the... immediate front spot on sports center everyone on twitter would be talking about this blockbuster trade taylor you want to go first tonight or you want me to uh it's up to you uh i, I think you uh, went you first, first last I was time say, i was about to say i think i went first last time so, so i'll, I'll, I'll go, go first um we've kind of talked about pieces of this already today um do i think this happens no but i think it is a blockbuster uh rockets send out eric gordon clint capella <laughs> Yeah. Um, in an attempt to make a, a, a move that, that moves the needle a little bit forward, they bring back Bradley Beal and a future first rounder. Ooh, that would make the Rockets uh, pretty, pretty, I mean, that might get them there. Um, I, I like that a lot for the Rockets. I don't think Washington does that, though. I think I it's kind of similar I think Washington deal. says hell no. Yeah, kind of like the OKC deal we talked about a little bit ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can get more than that for sure. But, man, that would be interesting. James and Bradley be dangerous. Yep, yep. All right, what's your blockbuster? So, you were, yeah, you were thinking on the same terms that I was. And I was just trying, ever since I saw that Woj tweet, uh, I'm very intrigued by trading Chris Paul and just the whole LeBron. I mean, we talked about the I Lakers. I think Houston's intrigued about trading Chris Paul as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, um, and just like with all the disorganization we talked about within the Lakers and how LeBron and his team have like found a way to take control of part of it all. Um, what if LeBron just comes in and says, yeah, I want my banana banana bro, blah, 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 banana boat bro, uh, triple B's, big baller brand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't care what it takes. Give me CP3 since we're not getting Jimmy Butler or whoever else in free agency. Um, so I went to the trade machine and it won't really let you do any of that right now because of all those contracts still on the board. Yep. Um, so it, it would have to be something where they basically just send a, a young player or two back for CP three and then absorb him with all the remaining cap space from all those one year crazy ass deals they did this past off season. Yep. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the first one I had, but I went ahead and did one while we were, um, we're talking because I think Capella trading him is is another interesting piece as well. Um, so, well, first of all, what do you think about CP3 in LA? Do you think that's likely? Do you think, I think it makes so much sense because I, I, I think I, LA I is going to strike out in free agency, and they're going to have to fill that cap space somehow. And if they can get Chris Paul, they'll do it. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see Kimba really going there. Um, I think Jimmy's really the only one that has a realistic opportunity or a realistic chance of. of I yeah, you know, I, and I I just have such a hard time seeing Jimmy Butler and LeBron James coexisting. I mean, they're oh, two yeah. hard heads. So fun to watch have to us. have the ball in their hand. They're but, vocal. Yeah. They're confrontational. Add yeah. to the shit show, baby. Pour some gas on that fire. <laughs> that would be great to watch from an outside perspective, but I'm with you. Um, so one that I did, and this has a lot of fillers in it because I try to do it here kind of quickly, but um, I had the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets doing a trade together where the Rockets would send out Clint Capella, uh, Gary Clark, and some guy I don't know named Hartenstein. Hartenstein. No, Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein. Yeah, he's the, uh, he, he's a little filler here. And the Rockets would receive in return Alan Crabb because of contract purposes, but they would get Karis LeVert, who I love. Oh, that's Bob's a fun Karis. one. Yeah, that is a fun one. I like that. Now, granted, I think the, I mean the the base would be Capella and Levert and probably Crab, um, and then from there they could get more creative. So I just kind of threw like Clark and Hartenstein in there for filler. But uh, yeah, the basis of that trade's interesting. Yeah, that's a fascinating one. That is a fascinating one. All right, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. Let's let's jet. So thank you guys for checking us out today. We appreciate you. Please make sure you go subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to us at. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, as those ratings go up, it just it helps our podcast more and more. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can get tons of different NBA podcasts from tons of different perspectives. It's great stuff. Awesome stuff. We will be back with you guys. We are recording Saturday podcast probably go live sunday morning with friend of the podcast overall awesome guy mikey barra out of italy he'll hop on top talk some draft with us so we're really excited about that uh, game one nba finals tomorrow night in the six it's gonna be fun we'll see what happens we will talk to you guys on saturday take it easy and as always thunder up thunder up Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.